Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. Amen. Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning. Happy Father's Day to those of you who are fathers, those of you who are not. Good morning. <laughs> hey, I want you to go ahead and get your Bibles and your notes out. Uh, I want you to write down a few things, but I need for you to open up your Bibles to the book of Titus, chapter 2, verse 2. It's near the very back of the Bible. It's a really small book, and uh, but, but I need you to find that. Now listen, when you find it, hold your place there, and, because I'm going to be looking at that scripture closer to the end of my message. But, uh, but today, I'm going to be talking to men and boys. How about that? So you're going to have to leave the platform. I'm sorry. You know, <laughs> I'm just kidding. You can, you can go. That wasn't, I wasn't kicking you out of here. Uh, ladies, you're going to like this too. And, and I'll tell you what, uh, ladies, by the end of this, you're going to agree. It's like, yeah, I, I, I want a man like that. Okay. I'm talking to men and boys, and I'm not, I'm not talking down to you at all. This is not a beat up on the guys session. This is a, this is a message of encouragement. And the reason being is that our culture has shifted, and many of you are existing in a culture where you never knew a former culture that that I was raised in, because masculinity is under attack. It really is. It really is. There are elements of our culture, they're, they're actually aggressively attempting to neuter masculinity, and they're calling it toxic. Now, you've heard that. Here's just a little bit of evidence of this. Uh, Reporter Mark Stein, he recently discussed a government research paper. This is from our own government that blames toxic masculinity on almost all of today's social ills, including global warming. That's the government, and that's 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 their position. Your government, all right? California governor, not Texas governor, but California governor. This is a significant person. Gavin Newsom, he recently claimed this, and I quote, the most dangerous words. Okay. The most dangerous words in the English language are man up or be a man. (laughs) What he alleges, he goes on to allege this, is that that those words, they're, they're toxic, and they might offend people. Well, I'm here to say he's wrong. Uh, feminizing a man doesn't make him better. You attempt to feminize a man, you're going to end up with a man who's feeble, who's miserable, and who is sick, and it will happen emotionally as, and psychologically as well as even physically. So the title of today's message is The Counter cultural man. And I'm, I'm going to challenge men to be countercultural today. See, the cultural argument is that toxic masculinity is at the root of sexual assault, murder, assault, and, and such. And, and, but, but you need to understand, this is brand new terminology. I did my research on this, and Google has a, a quite a big database of words that are used commonly, and the term toxic masculinity wasn't even on the radar until, for some reason, the summer of 2016. I don't know where it came from, but somebody made it up. 
And they, they made this up the summer of 2016. All of a sudden, people start using this term. And now it's actually commonplace in our culture because you've all heard about it. And it's, there's, there's constant discussion about the evils of masculinity. In fact, a new emerging topic or term terminology is different than that. The new emerging tem, uh, terminology is masculinity is toxic. So it's actually shifted and it's changed. That's our culture. But, but I, I want to be clear about this today, very clear. Sin is what's toxic, not masculinity. Sin is what is toxic. See, masculinity and femininity, it's God's idea. It's God's creation. And this, what I'm talking about today is not some kind of a gender war. This is not man versus woman. If you were here on on Mother's Day, you know I always give a message to all women on Mother's Day. You got your message. Now it's time to talk to the guys, all right? But really what's going on in our culture is nothing more than an attack from the evil one. Uh, And it is to demean God's creation because masculinity and manhood is God's creation. Men, hear me well. You are created in God's image. You are created in God's likeness. Okay, now, now Satan, hell, doesn't like that. You see, God, God didn't just haphazardly take some elements and form man and kind of sound like, okay, here you go. No, no. God created, he formed man in his likeness. It was thoughtful. It was loving. This creative uh, artist created man in his image. Genesis chapter, tw- chapter 1, verse 27. And I'm reading from the New American Standard Version on purpose right here today. It says, God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Now, I want to pause here for a second because I want you to understand there's a little bit of uh, study that needs to go into this. I don't expect you to do the study, but you expect me to do the study and I've done it. So it says God created man. That word man is, is actually a, an ancient Hebrew term. The word is Adam, A-D-A-M. You know, like Adam, (laughs) it is a masculine noun. It's a masculine noun. And so God created Adam. God created man in his own image. Now, I'm not, I'll just tell you today, I'm not one to bash on various versions of the Bible, but today I do have a little bit of an issue with the new American, with the new international version of the Bible, which is the one I commonly use. And the, but I, this is my little beef with the new international version. About 15 years ago, uh, they decided they wanted to be more inclusive. And this is all, you can, you can look this up on your own. It's all out there. They wanted to be more inclusive and they didn't want it to sound too manly in the Bible. And so a group of people got together and they changed many of the terms from the, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, where, where the word is the masculine noun, man, or in the Old Testament, Adam, and they changed it to mankind. So it's like all people. And, uh, and so I do take a little bit of issue with that, with that. So that's why primarily today I'm reading from the teaching from the New American Standard Bible, which I believe is, is, is definitely a little more sound. It's a little more accurate there. But, uh, uh, you know, that's just my little beef. And, and sometimes I just need to drop a bomb and say, that's, 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 that's a problem, okay? Because I like to drop bombs. Okay. But What's important to understand here, what I'm, what I'm drawing your attention to, is man, men and women are different. They are. Men and women are different psychologically, and men and women are different physically as well. And 
it's important to understand those Hebrew words that were there. Because where it says God created man, it's actually another translation of that is God formed Adam. He formed, he, he shaped Adam, Adam, from the dust of the earth. So in a sense, man was grounded, I guess you could say, to God's foundational uh, platform, which was right here at the earth. God took him out of the earth. Whereas when you look at where, how women were created, it says that women were actually, the woman was actually fashioned. How do you like that, ladies? You are fashioned. That's pretty nice. Now, again, this is not the ladies' sermon, so I'm going to stay on, stay on topic here. But women were fashioned and shaped to be a companion and a helper to man. Now, now, the truth is, this whole corruption of masculinity in manhood, it really did start back at the very, very beginning. And I think it's important that we talk about that because we see the roots of that in what's, ha- what's happening and manifesting in today's culture. If you're going to be a countercultural man, let's go back to the root. And it started at the very beginning with all of our great, 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 great times about 150, grandfather Adam. <laughs> also, now you know his actually name, name is actually Adam. But God created man to have relationship with him and to, to assume dominion over all of the earth. Uh, and he was also given the freedom to enjoy every bit of God's creation and revel in it and have a good time. Uh, that's why I think a lot of men, they're, you just want to be outdoors because you just want to get out and enjoy the goodness of what's out there. But, uh, but, there was one thing that God said, don't mess with this one thing. There's this one tree in the whole world, one, one tree. Just don't eat from that tree. And God put that out there. That was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, God, as, as time went on, God realized, hey, this is not good that, that the man is alone. And that's the, the, the only t- thing in God's creation said, you know, this isn't all that good right here. <laughs> the man, Adam should not be alone. And so he realized man needed a companion. Uh, he needed someone to share his life. He needed someone so that he could protect them and, and provide for them to love and to cherish and to serve and to bless and to honor. And that's how we treat ladies, man. And so God created a beautiful woman. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 says this, then, God, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man. Oh, interestingly enough, when I say the man right there, that is that term Adam again. But, all, but if you'll notice in the New International Version, if you're looking at that, all of a sudden, yeah, okay, they're going to go ahead and change that back to man. So they pick and choose how they're going to do it. That is my beef. All right. <laughs> but it says, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Now, together, the man and the woman had a perfect relationship with one another and a perfect relationship with God. But temptation came in through the serpent, Satan himself. Most of you know the story in the Garden of Eden. If you don't read and don't know about it, read Genesis chapter 2 and 3. You're, you're going to get the whole story in there. But, but what happened is the serpent dialogued, had a conversation with the woman, and convinced her to disobey the one solitary do not command of God. And so she did. Now, here's what a lot of people miss. But if you look at it accurately, 
you got to say, where was Adam during this time? Now, when I was a kid growing up in church, I always thought Adam was out there taking care of the, of the flocks and the herds, and Adam was out cutting down some weeds or whatever. They didn't even have weeds back then, but for some reason, I imagine, that's probably what he was doing. Or he, he was just out taking care of things and walking around. Maybe he was out fishing at the lake. I don't know. But he was not somewhere else. He was right there by her side. Read it. It's, it's in the Bible. It says, and Adam, who was right there by her side. <clears throat> so he's standing there. Here's the problem. Man, you have to understand, this is the root. I'm not getting on to you for this because you didn't do this. Adam did this. All right, we get to all reap the benefits of that today. <laughs> but, uh, but Adam stood there. He didn't defend her. He didn't lead her. He didn't protect her. He did not communicate truth with her. It's like, this is not something we should be messing with. No, what did he do? He stood there and watched. She took the fruit, she ate it, and she gave some to Adam, who was right there with her by, his, by her side. See, it was a double fail on the part of man right then and there. And that's when this little chink in our armor started, man. Um... And then God cried out to Adam. God knew something had happened. <laughs> so he said, Adam, where are you? Well, Adam was hiding. You know, he was, oh, oh no, I feel bad. I've got to hide down. So he was hiding. And, uh, and then when he finally answered, he's, he blamed the woman, and he also blamed God. And, and the truth is, I mean, so his problems continue to mount, you see? The, the problem is, the truth is here, is that Adam, as a man, lacked the courage to stand up against hell, he refused to even humble himself before God and say, I messed up, I admit my wrongdoing, and he, he completely neglected his prescribed duty to take care of his wife and to be her protector. And this began to set things in motion for men. See, we don't take a stand and we don't man up, we just shirk responsibility. And that has its roots back in this original sin. But see, as time has gone on, now more than ever, the Western culture is now pressing men to, to actually fail at being the men God created us to be. It's actually pressing you to do that. So the countercultural man is described with four terms, and here it is. The countercultural man, jot this down, he acts, he provides, he protects, and he rescues I'll say that again in the right order. The countercultural man acts, protects, provides, and rescues. Men, we can do this. This is your job description. Four words. It's simple to do it. Now, men, I want to talk to you guys for just a second. Ladies, don't get upset with this. Just let's listen. In your heart of hearts, really, deep down, we're just who you are. Would you rather throw bombs or sip lattes. And you might want to sip a latte from time to time, but probably not very often. See, I want to throw bombs. Now, I'm, I've never been in the military, and I'm not talking about being in the military, but I want to throw bombs in very creative ways. And men, God will give you the ability to figure out how to throw some bombs. Now, think about this. Little boys growing up, any of you have little boys? They do these things called sound effects. I know, I had three of them around my house. And one of the first sound effects is... 
Now, I never raised girls, but I don't ever recall in my life hearing, and I had a little sister, I never recall her going with her Barbies. No. I don't think she's ever made the sound, and most women have never made that sound in their life. But why is it that a little boy, before he can even hardly say any words, is already going, I'll tell you why. It's masculinity. Now, let me explain this, how this works in our culture. Last Tuesday morning, I threw a bomb. Mm -hmm, I did. I was with the elected officials, Tarrant County. I'd been invited by Judge Whitley to go to their public meeting and to invoke, the, it's called an invocation. That means that we want you to invoke the presence of God into their public meeting. So I prayed a bold prayer with passion. What I did is I threw a bomb. And, and I want to be clear about this. What I saw in my mind as I was throwing that bomb, I saw hell fleeing. I saw the enemy running. And I, and I, I, I saw things in my mind. Like whether it was happening or not, I saw it in my mind. And, and as I was there, as I was standing at that lectern with the cameras on me, everyone in the place standing quietly and reverently, the only voice in that place I, be, I prayed a, a prayer, and my prayer may have been, I, they, they usually say one minute, they don't give me time limits anymore. Thank you, God, that is so nice. But near the end of my prayer, I, was, I said this, I want you to listen to these words. This is what I declared just a few blocks from here. May the spirit of the Lord, and I prayed like this, rest upon these officials, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Come on, I'm a preacher, so I can do that. I say, God, give our elected officials sharp minds and a cheerful, bold confidence to deal with the unique challenges of our rapidly expanding county. And Lord, may no divisiveness or mockery or hatred discourage these leaders. May they use the wisdom of God to come together now in a spirit of unity that will accomplish what will ultimately honor you as they serve the two million residents of the best run county in America. That's a faith declaration right there. And then I said this. Oh God, may you be enthroned above all else in Tarrant County. Now, I just want to stop here for a second. When you pray that and you get your elected officials agreeing in prayer with you, I'm sorry, but hell flees. No, I'm not sorry. I'm happy. Drop a bomb. May the glory of Almighty God shine brightly from this place, for we now invoke your presence. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place and in these proceedings. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And after praying my prayer, I was surprised. We did our pledges to the American flag, pledge to, pledge to the Texas flag. And after praying my prayer, after invoking the presence of God, the soon-to-be-retiring county judge still standing there. I was standing at the front. He said, Pastor Woody, he's retiring soon. He said, you know, I just want you to go with me wherever I go. I need a man like you by my side. Now, that wasn't a job offer. <laughs> and I'm not going to hang out with him, you know, unless he needs me to pray with him or whatever. I've got my duties. It's right here. But you know what? That was a compliment. It was a compliment because I walked into that place and I threw a bomb into the middle of that meeting. And I didn't come sipping a latte. God, we like you and you're special. 
be with us today in Jesus' name, amen. That's not me. I, I, I got to throw a bomb. Amen. Do not withdraw from your conflict with hell. Don't sit on your hands waiting for somebody else to stand up and do what is right. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 through 14. Another one that I have to take from the New American Standard Version because the NIV botched this one up too. It says, be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. And let, I love this, let all that you do be done in love. In other words, what the scripture is saying here, guys, man up. Guys, also, just, just a little side note here. It's okay to look rough every once in a while. Please don't fall prey to this overemphasis on male physical image that's out there. I, some guys are spending more time in the beauty parlor than their mothers ever did. And I was like, I don't know about that, you know. That's just a thought. If it hits home, I wasn't thinking about you. I just noticed these things. And guys, I also want to tell you, it's okay to be aggressive. Now, hear me out on this. Aggressive isn't evil. It's actually inherent to masculinity. In general, young boys are more physical than girls, they're more aggressive than girls, and they are more violent than girls. Right? Would anyone agree with me on that? Boys take greater risks than girls as a whole. Now, that's neither good nor bad. It just is. That's reality. Aggression is not a vice, nor should it be a virtue. Yet increasingly in our culture, young men are being taught that there is something wrong with their essential nature, and they need to deny it, and they need to suppress it. And many are actually even you know, given medicines to suppress and deny this feeling that they have in them. And they're being told that these things that they feel kind of in their body, it, it's, it's not compatible with life in this culture, in this, this day, and in this age. And they even are teaching young men that it is dangerous and it's inherently oppressive to even feel that way. See, but the correct response to the reality, and it is a reality of genuine, of basically I would call general masculine characteristics. It's not denial. It's not indulgence. What it actually should be is a development of the masculine characteristics. And that's what I'm challenging you on. I want you to develop your masculine characteristics. 18 months ago, December 29th, 2019, we were here in church. <clears throat> Our police officer got notified that something was happening and watch, protect. And so our police officer did. What happened is <clears throat> a few miles from here over in White Settlement, a uh, man by the name of Keith Kinnanen, he walked into West Freeway Church of Christ and began to aggressively gun down worshipers during a communion service. It's a tragic day for our city. There's an usher standing at the back by the name of Jack Wilson, and he simultaneously, aggressively drew his gun, fired, and he shot that man, Mr. Kennelman, before he could kill anyone else. Now, I want you to think about this for just a moment. Think about it. Both Wilson 
and Kinnaman were aggressive, were they not? Both Wilson and Kinnaman were violent, were they not? But Wilson's aggression was courageous. Wilson's violence was necessary. There's a difference. There's a way to channel the aggression. It's to develop it and make sure it is well executed and well under your control. Right, man? Right? Let's just be real. God is aggressive. We don't serve a passive God. We do not serve a God who's just kind of sitting in the back, and, well, whatever, you know. Oh, you people, I'm going to just sit around and have the angels play harps for me. That's not God. It's not. I mean, I don't even need to give you a scripture on this. Just open the Bible and read. God said, God did, God, okay. And men, you, men, Adam, you were created, you were formed in his image and in his likeness. You know, even in our culture, we often speak of instilling uh, a sense of purpose into men and women, which I think is a really important thing. Because a sense of purpose, what it does is it establishes a firewall against despair and hopelessness, which is ravaging our culture today. But, but I also believe that with men, especially young men, our task is a little more specific. I believe we should instill within young men virtuous, masculine purpose. What does that look like? Well, masculine purpose it must do four things. It must act, protect, provide, and rescue. I'll say it again. Masculine purpose must act, protect, provide, and rescue. It's what we do. In previous years, this was instilled in boys just naturally. It was the way they lived. You just stepped up to the challenge. My own father, who's went to be with the Lord a few months ago. He talked often of a decision he had to make at the age of 15 when his mother unexpectedly passed away. And he was left as the oldest of 10 siblings, of of 10 children, nine siblings. And there he was, and that's when he found his purpose. He found his purpose to act to protect, to provide, and to rescue. And the truth is, his younger siblings still tell me to this day, your dad meant the world to us because of what he did when everything fell apart at home, when mom died. What did he do? He was 15 years old. And that summer, he had to make the choice to drop out of school, not go back to school. I'm not encouraging you guys to drop out of school, but just listen. He made a big sacrifice. He dropped out of school at the age of 15. He was was a football star. He was a good guy, but he had it going for him. He was well-loved. But he left all that, and he made the decision to drop out of school to help take care of his family. What did he do? He fed the animals. He went out and shot squirrels so they could have some food to eat. He had to take care of things when dad, when his dad was gone at work during the day, and he had to go and milk the cow and watch out for his little sisters and little brothers. 
Now, I'm telling you guys, that is what we call masculine purpose. You see that? But what used to happen naturally in culture, now we actually have to do this more intentionally. So part of what I'm calling you to do, man, is to make the decision, whether the circumstances are crazy around you or not, take action, protect, provide, and rescue you will find masculine purpose there and you will begin to feel more satisfied in and of yourself. And, and do it even though it doesn't seem necessary in your daily life, even if there are no immediate threats. Do it anyway. Now, I believe this is that men in the church need to be countercultural, and they need to get a lot tougher. A lot tougher physically, mentally, and spiritually. And that is my challenge for you today to do that. And the church needs these manly virtues, these masculine virtues. We need to begin to live these things out. And these masculine virtues, they involve enduring, suffering, hardship, and having values that are higher than the values of the world, which talk about social status, image, and success. What we need now is men who know how to stand on the solid rock and say, I'm going to be merged with this rock and I'm going to be solid. Not men who lick their finger, put it in the air, see which way the cultural wind is blowing, say, okay, I'm going to try to be like everybody else here. Titus chapter 2, verse 2. Let's take a look at today's passage of Scripture. I hope you already have that, but while you're getting it, just want to let you know right here, I brought up here with me a Bible. I'm going to drop another bomb this week. Is that okay? The bomb's right here. Okay, these these are a lot. Of th- these are the things that I do that you guys don't even know about. But I, I, I drop bombs. I, I I drop bombs all week long. But I'm going to drop a bomb this week. I'm going to go and drop this bomb. It's called the Word of God. It's a Bible, and it's called the Maxwell Leadership Bible. It's a very very good Bible, especially for leaders. I'm going to go drop this bomb and I'm going to go put it in the hands of our new mayor, Maddie Parker. I'm going to walk up to her and put it put it in her hands. Now. What I, what I believe, I'm going to pray over this. All right, I'm going to have our elders pray over this and sign it and write messages to her also. Uh, but in, I'm going to tell her. I've already told her I'm praying for you. I pray for you every day. And in the front of this Bible, it says, Maddie, my daily prayer for you is this. May the spirit of the Lord rest upon you, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Isaiah 11, 2. And put this in your office. Keep it on your desk. Former mayor, I did the same thing several years ago. And she said, Tim, this will always be on my desk. And when I would visit her office, there it was. I don't know how much she opened it, but I know it was there. I dropped a bomb. Any of you guys like dropping bombs? Come on, guys. I like to drop bombs. Titus chapter 2, verse 2. He's, he, here, Titus is being given clear instructions on what the role of a pastor is when it comes to men. He says in verse 2, teach the older man. Older man, that would be anyone who is 30 or above, okay? (laughs) Teach the older man, be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. Now, now let me me just tear that apart just a little bit. Be temperate, that means no excesses. Be worthy of respect, earn it. You've got to earn it. 
It's not just given to you automatically. Be self-controlled. That means don't be driven by your passions and your desires or driven by the winds of culture. Be strong in faith. That means you're going to have a strong will for the things of God. You're going to love the word of God. You're going to have your family in church. Strong in love. What does that mean? That means you're going to believe the best about people. Yeah, you're not going to throw people under the bus. And sound in endurance. That means you're going to stick with stuff. You're not going to start something and give up. You're going to stick with it, and you're not going to jump ship because it's simply convenient. Now, look down at verse 6. Look down at verse 6. Titus 2, 2, 2, 6. It says this, similarly, encourage the young men. Just be self-controlled, guys. (laughs) If you're under 30, be self-controlled, and then learn from the older men. That's actually the way we should be doing it, right there, right there. Uh, my Bible study over the past few days has led me to, to identify these characteristics and these traits. And then today, my challenge is for you to be a counter-cultural man. Guys, I'm challenging you to do this. I want you to, I, I, I'm going to ask you now to look to God's word as your anchor, not the culture. And drop some godly bombs. It's called spiritual warfare, Okay. If you're in the military, that's your own business. All right. Part of the security team, that's your own business. If you're a police officer, that's that's something different. But men, will you be just be masculine? It's okay. Your hobbies, your interests, those passions that you feel that are stirred up in you, it's okay. God created you that way. Ladies, give room for the men to be masculine. Men, according to God's word, I just want to say be temperate. No excesses. What is one, here, here, let God speak to you. What is one excess in your life that you need to put the lid on it? All right, be temperate. It's going to hurt you ultimately. Next, men, be worthy of respect. Get out there and earn it. Be worthy of respect in your church. Be worthy of respect at work. Be worthy of respect in the community. Be worthy of it. But it's something you have to earn. When you stand tall and bold, like even with me, I don't even really comprehend or understand how God drops me into the middle of the political goings-on here in town. I, I, I never have never asked for it. I never push for it or whatever. But one thing that I do is I drop bombs. I drop bombs. And then people say, you're worthy of respect. We want you to do this. We want you, we want you to come here. We want to do this, do this, and do that. And I'm never one to pick sides. I don't care. I mean, I don't care what, what, you know, what your political position is. I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to be for you. I'm going to share the word of God with you. I'm going to love you. That's, that's where I am. Men, be self-controlled. Don't allow your passions to drive you. Don't allow the winds of the culture to push you one way or another. Just because it's the popular thing, you don't have to do it. And you know what? There's part of you that says, I know. I'm not going to have anybody tell me what to do. Okay, then stop letting people tell you what to do. Come on, guys. Men, be solid in your faith. Have a strong will for the things of God. I know most men don't enjoy reading. That's just natural. You may not enjoy reading or struggle with reading the Bible, but my goodness, get an audio Bible. Open the Bible app and click play. It's that simple. It's that simple. Find one scripture 
a day that you can just look at and let, think about it, memorize it, get it into your heart. You don't have to read the Bible through 40 times in a year. 39, maybe, but not 40, all right? Men, take your family to church and also be strong in your love. Can you start believing the best about other people and encourage other people just through love? And you may, as I already preached last week, you may not like them, but you can love them. Men, <laughs> be gritty in your endurance. Stick with what you started. Don't jump ship because things got uncomfortable or it's more convenient over here. There's another passage of scripture in the Bible that says, endure hardship as a good soldier. <laughs> Men, the four words again, act, protect, provide, rescue. That is God's original design for man. When you fall into that, you will find yourself, you will find your masculinity thriving. And you won't even lean into all this other stuff. So in other words, sorry, Mr. Gavin Newsom, but I'm sure you're not even listening to my sermon anyway. Man up. <laughs> true th- true, true uh, strength isn't about throwing your weight around. It's, it's, it's not about posturing. It's not about being a bully. It's not trying to one-up someone else. Jesus he, I mean, he wasn't a bully. Jesus was a servant. Jesus was a man. <laughs> he was a strong man. Being a servant doesn't mean that you have to be a wimp. It actually just means that you're smart. One of the people you can begin to serve is if you're married, you have a spouse there, you have a wife. Part of man's design is to serve. That doesn't mean you have to wait on her all the time. I do sometimes, though. Men, your strength is not demonstrated by some machismo attitude. It's not about abusive language. It's not about trying to have an intimidating physical presence. Men, it's not about angry outbursts. All right? That's, that's, that's not strength. It's sim- what that is, is, that is simply insecurity manifesting itself as strength. But it's inspired by this chemical that you have in your bodies called testosterone, but it's misdirected. What you do is help to get it under control, because you can. And men, you can be kind. You can be. And you know you have it in you to do that. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 22 says, a man's kindness makes him attractive. (laughs) That's a whole lot better than spending a bunch of money and many hours in some beauty salon getting your hair puffed up, all right? (laughs) Kindness, it takes incredible strength and it takes a lot of resolve. It's it's about having these well-defined and well-worked inner muscles about self-control. And, and guys, today my challenge is to you to make, a, make today a new beginning. I, I want you just to promise yourself that today you're going to begin moving in this direction to be a counter-cultural man. Ask God you to help you now to begin to do that. We're going to pray about that here in a second because keep in mind, he's the one who formed you. And if he formed you, he can transform you. You can do it. The scripture I taught my boys growing up, one of the first scriptures I taught them, 
whenever my boys would say, but daddy, I can't. I said, but you know what? The word of God says this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I love it because when they got to be four, five years old, they would say, I can't. And I said, but the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Okay, daddy. (laughs) Man, you can live by this. You can live by this. I want to pray for every man in this room first. Before I do anything else, pray for every man in this room. God, I thank you for the men. Thank you for the boys. I thank you for every every man and young man, old man who's in this room. I thank you for them. God, and I just thank you that, that you did create us and form us in your image. What, what a blessing and what an honor. God, we... We just choose today to embrace even our rough edges. (laughs) We choose today to embrace our masculinity and even our aggression as it's directed correctly. God, today we just say thank you, God, for making us who we are. And God, I pray that there will not be one man in this room who will be frustrated or angry at himself, or even listening to what the culture says that he shouldn't be masculine. I thank you, God, that you help us to break out of those mentalities. And we don't have to be brash or ugly about it. We don't have to create a big mess and yell at people. No, 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 actually what we can do is you can just stand up and begin living the way we're supposed to live. And I thank you, God, that as a result, men are going to be stronger. They're going to be better dads. They're going to be better better out on the job. They're going to be better business owners. They're going to thrive in the marketplace. They're going to thrive in their community. Thank you, God, that in doing so, the men are going to thrive physically. They're going to be stronger and healthier and have more vitality than ever before because, God, you created us to live a certain way which has direct benefits on everything else in our lives. So we choose that way, and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Before we go any further, with every head bowed and eye closed, if you'll just focus your heart and your mind on the presence of God. If you're here, I don't care whether you're a man, woman, child, but you're here today and you're not in relationship with Jesus Christ, I don't want you to leave this place until you make the decision to follow him. That's the most important thing that you can do. That's the most important thing you can do. And if you're here today and that's your status, what I'd like for you to do is I'd like for you to count of three, lift your hand for me and just say, Pastor, that's me. I I need Jesus in my life today. And, and we're going to pray before we leave here. And this will be the most amazing beginning of a transformation in your life. Would you just, would you just um, do so? Would you just say, that's, that's me, Pastor. That's what I want. Count of three, lift your hand. One, two, three, lift a hand. Hi, so I can see it. Thanks. Put your hand down. Who else? Thanks. Put your hands down. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I love it. There's men raising their hands. I like that. Men, if you lifted your hands, I want you to pray these words with me. But even more so, um, I, I also want the rest of the congregation to pray these words as well as an encouragement to you as you're making this decision to follow Christ. Pray these words and mean it. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Wash me in your precious blood. Today I make the choice 
(laughs) to man up and to take responsibility for the sin in my life. But I thank you, Jesus, that you have now forgiven me and that it's gone and I am clean before you. God, help me to be a man of God, embracing who I am, who you created me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.